Well, first of all, Happy New Year. Would you tell the lady next to you Happy New Year? Some of you look like you need a little happy. And yes, we are in January, but what I want us to talk about this morning and think on this morning isn't about January, it's connected back to Christmas. Remember Christmas? We just did Christmas. <laughs> we just did Christmas. I can't believe it. It's done. It's, there's so much preparatory, and then all of a sudden, we're into January. So what I want us to dwell on today is connected back to Christmas, and it has to do with a message that my husband preached in the Christmas messages. His message was entitled, Give Me Some Good News. Give Me Some Good News. And it so resonated with my head and my heart because, first of all, I like catchy phrases. They stick, as so many things do not stick. Give me some good news. And I sat there in that service, and I'm thinking, yes, Lord, thank you for the good news. Now, the good news that he was talking about, of course, was what the angels said to the shepherds on the hillside. The angels came, and they said, behold, I bring you good tidings, good news, of great joy. I'm bringing you some good news. And so that was where the platform was that we jumped off of, give me some good news. I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, thank you, Lord, for the good news that Jesus came. Thank you, Lord, that we're in this celebratory time of his birthday and his goodness and his salvation that he provided. And then I immediately started thinking about all the good things. Oh, my word, it was Christmas vacation. I was going to be able to have a cup of coffee with my daughter and with my other daughter because they were going to come down on Thursday and Friday. We're going to have an overnight party, Colleen. All the kids, all the grandkids. We were going to do an enormous dinner. I already had the, the turkey in the freezer thawing. The ham was fully cooked and spirally cut. All I had to do was throw it in the crock pot. I'd already made the cookies. They were in the freezer, and they were gluten-free. And, oh, I could not wait. And then I started thinking of, of the time we would sit around and we would all take the Christmas story and participate in a particular way from the youngest grandchild to the oldest grandpa. And we would sing songs and then we would open presents and then we would play games. And then of course we would have the white elephant deal, which was always so much fun. Oh, I couldn't wait. And my heart just said, thank you. Thank you for giving me the good news. Well, it didn't happen. That was Sunday. Monday, Doug went into the hospital. And uh, he, he called me from the hemlock emergency. Praise the Lord. Sharman is post this side of her surgery. She is doing great, and it is a blessing to see you. God is good. So Doug called me from the Hemlock Emergency Care, and I was sure he was going to tell me he had walking pneumonia. He had not been feeling well for quite a while. He'd been on a Z-Pack and all the numerous things, and he just wasn't getting well. And his breathing was just unbelievable. And he was so fatigued. And so he went into the hospital, or he went into a Hemlock Emergency, and uh, I was waiting for the phone call. And he called, and I said, okay, give me some good news, in reference to what he had preached the day before. He said, babe, it's not good news. I said, it's not? You don't have pneumonia? No, they won't let me drive. They want to call an ambulance. 
And he said, I told him I wouldn't go in an ambulance, but I called Daniel. Daniel's coming to pick me up. And we have to go straight to emergency to the hospital. Trina's going to come and um, drop off the grandkids, and she'll take you, and we'll meet you at emergency. And see, the grandkids then would cover Clint, which was a good thing. And uh, my heart immediately went to prayer. And you know the phrase I said immediately, oh, Father, give me some good news. Now, here's the sweet blessing of knowing Christ personally. When you ask Jesus to come into your heart and save you from your sin and become his child, he immediately gifts you and me with his spirit. His Holy Spirit indwells us in that God-made place that he made in the beginning in which he was always to dwell, but sin separated us. When I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sin and to be my Savior, his spirit indwells me for the purpose of teaching and comforting and leading and instructing and correcting. And so when I immediately went to prayer and I said, Oh, Father, give me some good news. Do you know what the Holy Spirit said to me? You're going to love it. God always speaks through his word. The Holy Spirit is a still, small voice that uses his word, the truth of his word. The Holy Spirit impressed upon my heart to my request, God, give me some good news. Ready? He already has. He already has. And I thought, well, well, that's true. That's true. Listen to this good news, Kathy. Your soul and the souls of those you love more than you love your own life are on their way to heaven for all eternity. You're saved unto me. Kathy, here's some good news. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I don't care what we walk through in this life. I am with you. Kathy, you want some more good news? It is in your weakness that I become strong. My strength is made perfect in your weakness, Kathy. Here's some more good news. I have promised you all things for life and godliness. I have a plan. I knew about this a long time ago. You just found out. Do not be afraid. I've not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Don't be afraid. I will take your right hand, in the verse that we all learned as class, saying unto thee, fear not. I will help you. So in the moments I'm standing there looking out the front door waiting for Trina to drive up and drop off the grandkids and take me to the hospital, all of this truth is flooding my heart in response to, God, give me some good news. And he already has. Now what we're going to look at in this lesson today is this response and this assurance. And all throughout this lesson, I'm going to say to you as my dear class, give me some good news, and you're going to respond back to me, he already has. 
All right? We're going to practice that right now. Karen, all of us, give me some good news. You convinced me. Now, we're going to look at this and see how this is attached to January and to what he has for us today to take into tomorrow. Give me some good news. Oh, you're right there. That's good. So what does God want me to know? By the way, when I stood there thanking the Lord, you immediately, it is a pressure release when trouble and hurt and offenses and ugliness that is a part of this daily life. And the Bible is very clear about this. I don't know if you've ever listened to or been fooled by the wealth, health, and and prosperity, prosperity <laughs> preaching. Yeah. Yeah. It is not biblical. God's word says this life is filled with trouble. It wasn't planned to be that way, but when sin happened, sin destroyed everything. God so loved the world that he put his plan into action to save us from our sin. And someday, oh, this is going to come at the end of the lesson. You are going to love, Laura, what comes at the end. But as I stood there waiting for Trina to pull up with the grandkids, and I was saying, oh, Lord, you have. You have reminded me that you've already given me the best news. You've already given me the good news. And then my, my brain went trite, you know, good news. The grandkids are going to be here to help with Clint. I could immediately leave, and Clint would be totally secure with the grandkids. You would get to tell them what to do. <laughs> And, and, and how to behave, because that's his job. <laughs> Never knowing what was going on. It was protection. Good news. Trina was coming to take me to the hospital. I wouldn't get lost. Good news. I live in that state of loss. There were so many little, light, daily things that I thought, Father, you provide in even the smallest ways the good news. So what does Jesus want me to know on this January Sunday in Saginaw, Michigan. First of all, it's January. Give me some good news. You already have. Oh, give me some good news about January in Saginaw, Michigan, okay? It's winter. The key verse that we're going to study on this week and maybe next week is found in Psalm 74, 16, and 17. The day is thine, the night also is thine. Now, girls, this is fundamental to every day. Have you ever said, this was a wasted day? This is a rotten day. I can't believe this day has already gone south. Oh, I would love to go south in winter in January. Yeah, this day, I have already removed myself from the truth of the good things, the good news that God has given me by not stating the truth. I'm stating my feelings. I'm stating something. I'm living in reference to something rotten that has already happened. And God says, wait, wait, wait. Time out. The day is mine. The night also is mine, God is saying. Do you know everything's harder at night? Everything's harder at night. Pain is worse at night. Fear is bigger at night. Problems magnify at night. It's a part of night. And God says, Stop it. The night is mine. When I recalibrate my thinking on the fact God's in control of my day, God has a plan for my night, 
it secures me. But this is fundamental in reminding yourself. We need to remind ourselves continually. The day is God's. The night is God's. Thou hast prepared the light in dark January. Thou hast prepared the light and the sun. Thou hast set all the borders of the earth. In other words, God's in control. God has it in his hands. God knows. And then ready, bless you. <laughs> Thou hast made the summer and, say it with me, and the winter. God made this day on purpose for a purpose. I secure myself, first of all, on this January Sunday with this truth. Now, we know it's winter because it's dark. I'm going to talk to you about winter and darkness because we are so affected by it. It's winter, it's dark, it's cold. Dark doesn't just happen. Dark creeps up on us slowly, a minute at a time. It's very, very undetectable. It's subtle. Darkness is subtle. And there's a great application and warning to me spiritually concerning darkness. See, it mimics the physical darkness that is very subtle. Spiritual darkness is very subtle. It begins with little excuses and little neglects that we say, oh, it's, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. Or <laughs> that's, that's really not. I, I, can, I can hang on to this offense. It's not affecting me. I really don't have to forgive that person. They've done it 15,000 times. I don't have to forgive. And the little, the little self-truth, Kathy truth, that she talks to her heart, my heart's deceitful and desperately wicked, will take me subtly away from the truth and the freedom and the light of God's word. It's very subtle. Now, I could spend the rest of the lesson on this very fact. We're not going to do that, but I just want to put that little nugget in your mind. Understand, it is imperative that you get the word of God in your head and your heart to fight the subtle slide into darkness. I can't tell you how many people I have talked with who heartbrokenly tell me, I don't know how I got here. It just started out so little. It was just a little thing. It was just a little. And their life is ruined. Um, but going back to January, winter darkness, we now get up in the dark. We go to bed in the dark. The other night, we'd had supper. I cleaned up the kitchen. I had brewed some decaf. We played our skip bowl games. And I was tired. It was dark. And I said, I think I'll get in my jammies and get ready for bed. And then I looked at the clock. It was 640. <laughs> I said, Darkness makes us tired. The animal kingdom, they hibernate. The plant kingdom, they burrow underneath of layers of frozen earth. Now, get this fact. Saginaw's winter's solstice was December 21st. It was the day with the fewest hours, OK? Compared to our summer solstice, which was June 20th, the difference between June 20th and December 21st is this. Ready? We have five hours of less 
sunlight between those two. Five hours of less sunlight. No wonder we feel tired. No wonder we feel crabby. No wonder. God says, no, 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 wait. Give me some good news. He already has. Here's the good news concerning darkness. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And he has made you and me as children of light. We walk in darkness. This world is filled with darkness. And he says, child, I have made you to be a difference. I have made you to make a difference, especially in January, especially in Saginaw, especially in the cold darkness. And this is what we get to do about it. We get to participate in what was the first God act of creation. Now, this gets really exciting. Before there was light, God's first verbal command was, let there be right. But we're going to go back before that command when it was all dark. There's an interesting correlation here that I want you to get. Um, first of all, do not like that clock. I'm going I'm to pass part of this. We might catch it <laughs> next week. Let, let me tell you about. Let me tell you about light. Um, so you have to. No, I'm going to go back to it. We'll see. Um, hibernation instincts settle in because of the loss of light. Our body's circadian rhythms change. But because darkness is gradual, because fall evenings are filled with campfires and s'mores and sports and games and bike rides over crunchy leaves, we ride through autumn right into Thanksgiving. That's filled with family and comfort food. And then we roll into Christmas with all of the cantatas and parties and get-togethers and fun. And then... And then, January. In the celebration of December, we put up lights everywhere, didn't we? Artificial lights. The artificial lights of Christmas, they are on trees, bushes, mantles. Boy, you should have been in our subdivision. It was just like, you know, okay, it went past the border of good taste. I'm sorry, but... <laughs> It was filled with light. They twinkle, they glow, they flash. And then came January, and we wrap up the artificial light, and we feel the dark. We feel it. It's more than physical dark. There are three levels of darkness that we all experience in our lives, spiritual, emotional, and physical. But the month of January literally, physically, puts us in the dark. And that's why January is so hard. First thing Jesus wants me to know, give me some good news. This is the first thing he wants us to know. He wants me to know he knows exactly how we feel. For we have a high priest, God's word says, that was touched with every feeling of our infirmity, of our humanness, of our fleshness. Jesus came fully human, fully God. He came so that he could be my high priest and say, I not only know exactly how you feel, Judy, I'm the one who can do something about it. And understand, he came as a baby. 
He could have come as a full-grown man and paid the payment for our sin on Calvary's tree, but he didn't. Why? Because he wanted us to know he knows everything we feel from the time we are born until the time we die. He felt fear in the dark as a child. He felt rejection as nobody invited him, as he was mocked, as he was made fun of. Oh, how our children need to know the truth that God knows and God has a plan and God has a way when they feel all these things that life deals out to them. So part of the reason Jesus came as a baby was mainly to live through all those stages that we live through. And then he tasted every level of betrayal and loss and hurt. He tasted all the emotional pain of this life. Every single one of you are sitting here. I am standing in front of you with levels of emotional pain. You can't get through this life without it. That's why you can't do this day without your Heavenly Father. That's why when your heart cries, give me some good news, yeah. he already has, and it's imperative that you know the word of God in your head and your heart. It's imperative that in this month of January, you make this month the resolution month of God. I'm going to get to know your word and your truth because I've got to have it for my day. I need your good news in your day. I need your good news in my thinking. I need your good news in my responses. There's a way that seems right, God's word says, but the end thereof is the way of death. That's Kathy's way. That's when I respond in the flesh instead of responding in the faith to that person or to that circumstance. My grandma, when I was about 13 or 14, totally involved with only myself and my feelings, taught me this poem. I love this poem. Um, because we are so connected to our emotional darkness, our emotional feelings. Three went for a walk on a wall. Their names, feeling, faith, and fact. Feeling took an awful fall. Did you have your feelings hurt this past week? Sure you did. It's a part of this life. Feeling took an awful fall, and faith was taken back. Faith was so close to feeling. Has your faith ever said when your feelings go awry, why did God let that happen? Why doesn't God do something about this? Feel, faith was so close to feeling that he fell too. But fact remained and pulled faith up, and that brought feeling too. Now, I'll read it to you without my interruption. Three went for a walk on the wall, feeling faith and fact. Feeling took an awful fall, and faith was taken back. Faith was so close to feeling that he fell too, but fact remained and pulled faith up, and that brought feeling too. In every circumstance, girls, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Everything, everything about my faith is connected to the truth of God's word. How imperative is it that I know the word of God so that when my feelings, when I stand at the door waiting for Trina to come and saying, Doc's going to emergency? His heart? It's his heart? It's not simple pneumonia. My feelings. You, I don't know if you remember the commercial. It was, get on the bus, take a ride with us. We can take you where you want to go. I, that ditty stayed in my head forever. 
It's like my thoughts. My thoughts say, get on the bus, take a ride with us. We're going to take you where you don't want to go. When your feelings take you where you're not supposed to go, you must know the word of God. You must know the truth of God. And you take the strong word of God that is our defense, that is our sword, and you do battle with it. Number two, and give me some good news. God has conquered my darkness. 1 Corinthians 15. Would somebody turn there for me to save me a couple minutes? I want you to listen to this. 1 Corinthians 15. When Jesus came and experienced every day like we have every day, he tasted the pain of it. He tasted the sourness of it. But he didn't spit it out. Now understand, he's fully God. He didn't spit out the rottenness of a day, Lori. He didn't, he didn't reject, he didn't stop it from happening because he's God and he could have, Doreen. He took the sourness of the day, the rejection of the day, and 1 Corinthians tells me he swallowed it. I wouldn't have. I would have spit it out. How many times do you say, I don't need this? And all along, God says, child, I've got something I want you to learn from this. John 12, 46 says, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me shall not abide in darkness. Now, let me ask you, what darkness are you abiding in? What doubt, what fear, what anger? These are all our, our emotional darkness, our emotional um, draws that happen in, in the course of every day, what has pulled me into the darkness? God's good news is the fact that, chi child, you're no longer a child of darkness. You're a child of light. I've made you a child of light. So if you're feeling something that you don't like, don't spit it out. Get the truth of the word of God and apply God's word to it. In other words, that person that you've already forgiven 15,000 times, God says, child, don't let that spoil your day. Don't let that put you in darkness. Forgive them again. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God hath forgiven you. Child, how many times have you been forgiven? And I have to say, oh, dear Lord, without number, I can't number. Now you do the same. You know why? That person needs to see the light of Jesus. And you are the light. Tell the lady next to you, you're the light. You are the light. You have made me light. Now if you go back to 1 Corinthians 15. Oh, we've got to go on. I can't go back there. I will go. But anyways, write this down as a reference if you want to go back and study parts of this. 1 Corinthians 15 tells me that God, Jesus didn't spit it out. He swallowed it, and he gave you and me the same victory to overcome it. The second thing he wants me to find and learn in January is because January, it's January, it's cold and it's hard, and there's five hours of less light, 
but this is what he wants me to learn. Now, this is, a, this is interesting, a little confusing. I want us to walk back before God said, let there be light. I want us to walk back to that time of darkness, Leslie, when the earth was without form and void. And then God spoke. God's word changes everything. God's word in my life changes me, changes my attitude, changes my thinking. So in the beginning, when the earth was without form and void, and in the beginning when everything was dark, God spoke, and his first audible command was what? Let there be light. Now, something very interesting, he calls the light day, and he calls the darkness night. He calls it morning and evening. God brings the light, but he lets the darkness stay. Now, dwell on this for a minute. God makes light, but he allows the darkness to stay. Why do you suppose that is? I know when I step into darkness, when I have trouble, I just want to say, God, take it away, right? Right? No, God wants to do something greater, something better, and it's the lesson of your lemon cookie. I'm not going to get into the lesson of the other. That one's obvious. Your, your sugar cookie, if you got that one, that is um, happy new year. <laughs> happy new year. God is a God of all seasons, and nighttime is on there with the moon. He is the author of light and sun. He has the borders of the earth. The day is thine. The night is thine. The summer, the winter, that's all on your sugar cookie to dwell on. The lesson of your lemon cookie has to do with the reason why God didn't do away with darkness. And here it is. This lemon cookie, it's the knockoff of the Panera Bread lemon cookie. Louise isn't here this morning, but it's Louise and my favorite cookie. It's amazing. It starts out with fresh lemon that you grate off. It is so sour. And then you squeeze in a full tablespoon of fresh lemon juice into this batter. It's, it's just thinking about it makes my face screw up, you know. It is so sour. But it's the ingredients that are added to the sour that make this an amazing, tasty cookie. Add these ingredients. God does the very same thing with what is sour and bitter in life. He doesn't take it away. Sometimes he provides a miracle. But often he says, no child, this is here on purpose for a purpose. I want you to add my ingredients to it because I want you to see what I can do. When God speaks, everything changes. So when he tells me, so add to my faith, and faith is activated every time we step into bad news, a bad situation. It puts us into a choice. Am I going to respond? Am I going to live with my feelings? Or am I going to respond with my faith? So now add to your faith what? Goodness, gentleness, meekness, temperance, long-suffering, patience. He's got all these ingredients for me to add to this thing that is sour and bitter. And he does an amazing work through it. Now I'm going to jump to the end of the lesson because of that clock. 
just as an example, what does God want you to add to your faith in January? The bitter's there, the sour's there. We all live with it. All different phases and levels and hurts. And God says, child, don't be afraid. You pray, give me some good news. You've already got it. I have made you children of light. You are the light of the world that lives in darkness. And so when the sour comes, how do you affect it? You affect it with your light. And you take those ingredients that God says, gentleness to that harsh, unruly person. Maybe it's a teenager. Maybe it's a grandchild. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's an employee. And God says, I want to do something miraculous in their life. I've made you light to provide it. Show them gentleness. Add this ingredient to this bitter person. They desperately need to taste and see that God is good. What can you and I do? How can I affect my space with my light? Make a January resolution to live in light in this dark month everywhere you go. Number one, you be the light. It can be something as little as an encouraging note. It can be a meal to somebody who is in desperately a hard time. It can be, it can be a verbal, how can I help? It can be kindness to the most unkind person that you deal with in your life. Show them the light. Choose. Choose you this day. It can be a smile while you're standing in line behind the person who didn't read eight <laughs> items only, you know. Uh, Doug Clinton and I were in, uh, we were at Red Lobster uh, using a gift that we had been given, and I was waiting on Clint, and um, it was just, I was in the lobby, and the, um, the hostess was in the lobby. She was, she was looking down at her computer and stuff, and, and she looked up, and I smiled at her. And she smiled back, and she said, you're not from around here, are you? <laughs> and I said, well, actually, I am. I live in Shields. Shields? That's where my mother lives. And I said, yes. I said, my husband pastors the church, Community Baptist Church, right across from Meyer on Gratiot. And I said, can I give you this good news? And, of course, I had a beautiful Christmas track about, about Jesus coming. And I said, here's, I said, I love our church, but my church isn't going to get anyone to heaven. No church can. It's only through knowing Jesus personally. It's the good news. And she said, you won't believe this. I had a dream last night that I went to church. <laughs> yes, like the look on her face. And I said, that's why I'm here. <laughs> and she said, my mother would love it if I picked her up and we went to church. And I said, yes, she would. I said, here's our address. I told her about our Sunday school class, of course, you know. And she said, thank you. Now, girls, I was light in a dark moment with a person who was in the dark who needed to see the light. She told me she'd read that gospel track. She told me she'd be here today. 
It started with a smile and a readiness to be the light. This is what I want you to purpose. Every day that God gives us in this month of January, be the light. Be the light with your child. Be the light with your husband. He's discouraged. He needs your encouragement. Be the light. Don't join the darkness. Be the light. And so I'm going to end with, with this verse. You're going, to, you're going to love this. It's in Revelation, of course, 22.5. Who can I encourage today with the light? Who can I help today with the light? Who can I pray for today concerning what they're going through? How can I help carry their load? Do you know what happens on our cold, hard, dark January when we choose to live light? God changes it. God changes me with his light. Now, girls, one day soon, sooner than we can expect, we're never going to turn a calendar page to January again. We're not going to wind up another strand of artificial Christmas lights because you know what's just in front of us? Revelation 22.5, and there shall be no night there. They need no candle. Clint's not going to need his flashlights. <laughs> they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Give me some good news. And the good news is God wants you to be the light, to participate in the greatest miracle that he began with. You be the light in somebody's life today. Father, may we take this challenge in this dark month of January to be the light. Thank you, Father, that you have made us your children. You've made us children of light for the beautiful purpose of affecting the darkness. And may we be challenged and convinced that the best part of today is being the light. In thy precious name, amen.